Welcome to Solicited Advice to Live Your Best Life. I'm your host, Kate Hess. You're in the right place if you're tired of feeling stressed, anxious, and overwhelmed, or if your critical inner voice is the loudest voice in your head. Join me each week for actionable, healthful, and healing habits based in mental and emotional hygiene practices to help you turn your self-criticism into self-love. And along the way, bring more freedom, serenity, resilience, and joy into your life. I'm a mental and emotional hygiene coach, and I'm thrilled to join you each week to answer your questions and help you live your best life. Thank you so much for joining me today for another episode of Solicited Advice to Live Your Best Life. Today's questioner asks, I can't figure out how to get my emotions under control. I'll get really sad or frustrated, angry or disappointed, and I just can't seem to shake the feeling. It will stick with me for hours, days, sometimes even weeks. What can I do to stop feeling so out of control? I came across a note in my Yoga Sutra journal today, and it felt like it was a sign I should be answering this question today. I had written, The less reactive we become to feeling, the more power we have over what we feel. It was entered as an afterthought over three years ago. I'm not sure if it was my own spark of insight or a quote from somebody during my yoga teacher training. If you remember saying this, please let me know so I can give you appropriate credit. Today's questioner asks about controlling their emotions, and while I'll be offering a number of tools and techniques to help you take control of your emotional state, I want to be clear that we are not talking about banishing emotions. Instead, we're working to allow the emotions to arise and experience them without the strong reaction which makes us feel as though we've lost control. In keeping with what's becoming a running theme, so many of these things are so much easier to say than to do. It's easy to say, just stop reacting to your emotions. But as today's question demonstrates, that's a skill we need to develop, not one we have simply because we decide to have it. I'm going to cover several different tools, techniques, and mindset shifts in this episode, so I've put together a checklist with everything I'm covering to help you stop feeling so out of control. If you're listening to this episode while driving, doing the dishes, folding laundry, or working out, don't worry about taking notes. I've done it for you. You can get your copy of the checklist at nourishnestbreathe.com forward slash P11. That's P as in podcast and the number 11. And I'll also put the link in the show notes. I also want to note that today I'll be offering advice on how to respond in a triage situation once your emotions are already running the show. To be proactive in taking control of your emotional well-being, you want to work on building your resilience. I've talked about that a number of times in past podcasts, but a great place to start is with self-care, and I'll add a link to my free self-care toolkit in the show notes. When we're feeling big feelings, it can be hard to focus on anything else. So the very first step is to calm down your nervous system. We've covered the audible exhale in several previous episodes, and it would be a great tool to use in this situation. But since we've already talked about it a few times, today I want to share another tool to help you shift out of the sympathetic nervous system, your fight, flight, or freeze response, and into the parasympathetic nervous system, your rest and digest state. 
In episode eight, I talked about why making this shift is so important. It helps to calm your body and mind and allows you to bring the logic and reasoning centers in your brain back online. If you imagine your emotions are driving a car recklessly and out of control, calming your nervous system is like adding a brake to the passenger side of the car, just like in driver's ed, giving you a chance to slow the speeding car down a little. A great way to do this is to bring your attention fully back into the present moment, and I love to use the mindful moment technique to do this. Just like the audible exhale, it only takes a minute or two, but it can bring about a powerful mental and emotional shift. The mindful moment is simply noticing the world around you with all five senses. You can pick a specific object or focus on a general area. I love doing this exercise with a cup of tea, a piece of chocolate, or while looking out into my backyard. Take a moment and focus in on what you've selected and notice what does it smell like? What does it sound like? How does it feel? How does it taste? Or what taste can you notice in your mouth while observing it if it's not something you want to actually taste? And what does it look like? As you notice, get incredibly specific in your description. If you're using tea instead of it feeling hot, you might describe it to yourself as being at the perfect temperature to take a sip while still being hot enough to fully warm your insides. Work through each sense in turn. And once you've finished, check back in and see if you've been able to gain a little more perspective, distance, or control over your emotional state. You are not your emotions. Take a moment and think about how you talk about your emotions. When we say things like, I'm sad, we've turned the emotion into a part of our identity. However, if we say, I'm feeling sad, instead we've identified the emotion as a temporary state we are experiencing. And while the addition of that one word might seem small, the impact is huge. Instead of feeling like sadness is part of our personality, we've turned it into something that will pass. Think back on your life. Over the years, you've felt countless emotions. They've come and they've gone. You've been happy, scared, excited, sad, frustrated, elated, and so much more. The current emotions you're feeling are no different and it's powerful to use words that help reflect that reality. Simply shifting the way we talk about our emotions can help to release some of the control they seem to have as we begin to regard them as a transient state of being instead of a permanent way of life. Often when our emotions take control, we're running on autopilot. This happens to me a lot when I'm overtired or overhungry. My body is solely focused on getting my most pressing physical needs met. And in order to do this, we begin to run based on instinct instead of intuition. Our instinct is driven by the amygdala. You might remember me mentioning it in the past. The amygdala is the fear center of our brain. It works hard to keep us safe by seeking and preparing to respond to danger. Our intuition, on the other hand, is a deep knowing. It's separate from our fear, and its sole purpose is to help us live our best lives. If you missed episode 7 of the podcast, I talked all about the science behind your intuition. You can check it out at nourishnestbreathe.com forward slash P7. That's P as in podcast, 
and the number seven. For now, think about your brain like a computer set up to dual boot. You can run two different operating systems on it, switching back and forth to the one you need at any given time. When the amygdala is the operating system in charge, it's running programs in the background that are informed by things like your confirmation and negativity biases. We talked about those last week in episode 10. To sum up, when you're in survival mode, your brain tends to run emotions on a loop. So if you feel like you can't control your emotions, chances are it's because your amygdala has defaulted to basic emotional states designed to help keep you safe. In order to take back conscious control of your emotions, you need to switch to the other operating system and begin to run on intuition instead of instinct. Our intuition is often drowned out by the voice of our instinct, but when we learn to distinguish between the two, we can take steps to calm our instinct while tuning into our intuition. A great way to help you shift out of instinctive reaction and into quiet intuition is to calm your nervous system. Again, Go back to the audible exhale, the mindful moment, or any other technique you love to help you shift out of the sympathetic and into the parasympathetic nervous system state, out of your fight, flight, or freeze response, and into rest and digest. Another fantastic tool for helping boot up the intuition operating system is to get curious. Start by discovering the distinct voice of your intuition and tuning into the messages it offers. Then ask your intuition, why am I experiencing this emotion? What lesson does it have to offer? Adam is deliberate in choosing his words. Sometimes I get impatient and interrupt him. It's a habit neither of us are particularly fond of. After I interrupt him, I often feel guilty. But when I get curious, I recognize the guilt is nudging me to remember to be a little more patient the next time he pauses to choose his words. Understanding the lesson helps release the regret. Getting curious isn't about judging. It isn't about placing value, good or bad, on something. It's simply about asking why. I love how curious little kids are. They'll ask you why a million times, trying to understand why you've said or done something, or why the world is the way it is. Consider tapping into your inner little kid with pure, innocent curiosity, start asking yourself, why? Why are you experiencing this emotion? Why now? Why so persistently? And what can you shift or change to allow the emotion to release? If you need more help connecting to and working with your intuition, check out my Intuition 101 course. I'll add a link in the show notes below. And for podcast listeners, I'm offering 25% off the course with code PODCAST. If you're finding the answer to getting curious keeps popping up as because, it's time to start questioning the story behind the emotion. It might be simply because, or because so-and-so said so, or because that's the way I was taught to respond, or because that's what good, smart, nice girls do or anything else along those lines. You might have heard before that if something is true to you, it will feel good. It's only the things that you don't at your core believe that feel yucky. Those yucky feelings are the result of you waging war in your own mind and body. The result of you trying to force yourself to get on board with something you don't actually believe in 
or agree with at a deep core level. I'm not sure anyone's ever complained about being stuck feeling happiness, joy, or ease. It's feelings like frustration, disappointment, sadness, and anger we want to get away from. And so, when your emotions feel out of control, it's a great sign there might be an underlying story that needs to be explored. Continue the theme of getting curious. Ask yourself if you truly believe the story that seems to be behind this emotion. Can you find evidence or have you had experiences that demonstrate it isn't necessarily true? Can you imagine yourself in a world in which it isn't true? Picture living in that world in which it isn't true. How does that feel? Again, it might not be as simple as deciding you no longer believe in a deeply ingrained story, but questioning the belief is a powerful tool in, again, stepping on the brake in the car and slowing down the runaway emotions. You might be starting to realize that even the uncomfortable emotions are showing up for a reason. They're offering insight, guidance, and showing us areas where we can heal, learn, and grow. They are not popping into our lives simply to torment us. When we try to shove these emotions down into a dark corner where we don't have to think about or listen to them, they start shouting louder to get our attention. They are showing up for a purpose. And if we continue to ignore them, they will continue to shout louder, trying to make sure we know why they are there. So another important step in taking control of your emotions is to recognize and honor them. If you're feeling sad, thank the sadness for showing up to help you with whatever you've identified as the why behind it. Or you can simply thank the sadness for allowing you to have a perspective on how sweet joy can be. Sometimes the emotions simply need to be seen and honored in order for them to begin to slow down and move to the side, still present, but not dominating your thoughts and feelings. And when you pair that acknowledgement with action taken on the message they came to share, that's a powerful step away from reactivity. Another powerful tool is noticing the similarity between shadow and light emotions. Imagine your heart rate accelerates, your breathing speeds up, you feel restless, and your stomach is turning somersaults. What emotion are you feeling? I'm guessing you might have answered one of two emotions, either excited or anxious. If you picked one of those two, take a moment and think if the physical experiences could also match the emotion you didn't choose. Again, that's an accelerated heart rate, rapid breathing, a feeling of restlessness, and your stomach turning somersaults. I've been playing with anxiety and excitement lately. One of the emotions that pops up for me a lot is anxiety. But when it arises, I've been asking myself, is this really anxiety? Or could I simply be feeling excitement about something? They both feel really similar in my body. Could I be mistaking excitement for anxiety? And the beauty of asking these questions is I get to consciously step into the driver's seat and decide if I'm feeling anxious or if I'm feeling excitement. Often the emotions we'd rather not experience are referred to as shadow emotions. They're the ones we try to push into the dark corners and ignore. The emotions we'd like to experience are often called light emotions. 
They're the ones we want to put out on full display. Most things in life have both a shadow and a light side, and our emotions are no different. Consider the shadow emotions you tend to experience. Anything you'd rather not be experiencing and wish you could banish with a magic wand. Now consider what the light side of that emotion might be. What other emotion might feel the same in your body? A few examples are anxiety and excitement, anger and courage, or frustration and anticipation. Being able to reframe the physical manifestations for what we're experiencing is another great way to begin to slow down the emotional reactivity and gently press your foot on the brake. The next time it feels like your emotions are running the show, start by calming your nervous system with the audible exhale or mindful moment. Next, acknowledge the emotion and get curious. What lesson is it trying to offer? How can you take action on that lesson? And ask yourself if perhaps you can reframe the emotion to see the flip side of it. We've covered a lot of tools and techniques in this episode. Don't forget, I've put it all together for you in a free checklist you can download at nourishnestbreathe.com forward slash P11. That's P as in podcast and the number 11. Use the checklist to pick the tools, techniques, or mindset shifts that resonate most strongly with you and the current situation. Thank you so much for joining me today for this episode. Please hit subscribe wherever you receive podcasts. If you've got a question that you'd love to hear addressed on a future episode, please submit it using the form on my website at nourishnestbreathe.com forward slash podcast. I'll include that link in the show notes. And remember, living your best life isn't about changing your life. It's about changing the way you show up for your life. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Solicited Advice to Live Your Best Life. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave a rating and review wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Your rating and review makes it possible for other people just like you to discover this podcast. And don't forget to check out all of my free resources at nourishnestbreathe.com forward slash resources. I'm sending you a great big hug. You've got this.